And I would look at the smallest possible thing that you could possibly do, whether that's just like adding that extra piece of broccoli to your meal, and then that becomes your thing. Um, and much more have it as a process-driven change rather than an outcome-driven change. Welcome to the Mindful Paths podcast with Nick Bay and Harry Kalimnios, where we explore the fascinating world of mindset, mindfulness, fitness, well-being, vitality, leadership, and of course, personal development. Our goal is to provide you with insights to help you live a more fulfilling, happier, and healthier life. So if you're striving to be a better parent, friend, leader, colleague, or boss, or if you simply want to be more mindful and aware of the world around you, then this Mindful Paths podcast is going to be for you. We invite you to eavesdrop on our conversations and we challenge you to discover a new insight to help you on your own journey towards personal growth and positive change. So sit back, relax, and let's begin our journey together on the Mindful Pass podcast. Hey, Harry, how are we doing today? I'm good. Um, just been uh, in the sauna and a couple of classes, so I feel human again after a busy few weeks. Uh, what about you? You've been in the car for all day, right? No, not today. It was yesterday. Happy days. Okay. You know what? It's it's a weekend. We never really record at weekends. So uh, I'm feeling vibrant. I'm feeling in a good space. Like I haven't yeah. just done 10 hours of work and I'm joining the podcast at the end of the day. We've got Christmas music playing. It's almost a spirit of Christmas coming in. What are we on today? So we're recording this before Christmas, uh-huh. right? It's the 16th of December. But I think we're yeah. going to publish this in the new year. And um, yeah, you Nine know, days. Gonna- we're going to on Monday, so we're going to do Christmas markets. We're going to do all the Christmassy things. Um, and you've got your hat on. I need to find my hat in the. Uh, I think I've got it in the garage. I saw it the other day. I've got like a Christmas hat like that. Um, I'm not actually. I'm not going to do a tree this year actually, um, because I'm probably going to head down to Brighton uh, next Thursday anyway, um, and I don't want to take the tree down with me. I don't think so. I might go treeless uh, this year. For wow, first- no tree. I know uh, well, it's different when you're by yourself it's like you know you don't do all the things a lot of the time well I personally I don't do all the things the last couple of years I've been doing a tree but I'm not sure if I'm going to take it down or not. I might do it and uh, maybe I'll decorate with my niece on the 23rd if she's up for it uh, we'll see reminds me of I don't know if you've ever seen it the Mr Bean sketch where he has Christmas by himself at home and you know what I, I, I love it because he he still makes all the effort he tucks his little teddy up in bed has a little mini stocking has it no. all going. He still gets Christmassy. I'm not saying you should be tucking up little teddies in bed, but I don't know. Yeah, if I was I by myself, that, maybe I wouldn't be that image I quite sad. So, I mean, yeah, so I'm like, I don't know. It's actually better for me not to have all that sort of stuff sometimes. But um, anyway, um, as it is now the end of the year, uh, and we're, gonna, we're recording this before the end of the year, but it's going to go out in the new year. I thought maybe we talk about New Year's resolutions, goals, something like that. I think that... This time of year, a lot of people, well, maybe not this time, in about 10 days' time, just after Christmas, people start to think about, you know, making changes, finally getting on that health kick, whatever. Um, so there might be quite an interesting one to talk about that. And, and firstly, I guess my question for you would be, do you actually make any New Year's resolutions yourself? Are you that kind of person? I personally, well, you know what? I do and I don't. What I'll say is I'm a bit of a sucker for uh, excess at December. I kind of give myself total license to eat mm. and drink and be merry. And um, a lot of my training goes out the window. I mean, look, I'm coming onto this show having just eaten two baked bean and cheese sandwiches, uh, toasties, right? These aren't things I'd usually be eating if in the middle of my training regime. Uh, but I'm thinking, you know what, why not? And it's, it, it can be dangerous because you can go so far one way where you, you know, and I've done this before where you, I just go so far to excess that it takes three months literally to work it all off in the new year and it puts you training back. So mm-hmm. there has to be a balance, but um, I'm not one for new year's resolutions. I think 
particularly because my goals for next year are already set. I know which, which races I'm doing, you know, I'm man this and, and certain certain goals and targets to me. So I think they're kind of in place, but there, there is a, I, what I would say is I give myself December off or I don't give myself such a hard time. And January is a time where I get back on to what is my 11 month of the year kind of training schedule. And if I don't do it, then, you know, I get myself further set back. So I am one of these people that from the 1st of January back into the fitness routine, we'll be a little bit better with my diet. We'll start cutting alcohol out and all those kind of things, but it's not because it's a new resolution. It's because it's, it's kind of like flag in the sand. I'm starting again. Let's crack mm. on and until the next December where I'll probably ease off again. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm definitely in chill out training mode. It's cold outside, high risk of injury. Um, I'm eating, I'm drinking more than I should. And, um, you know, I, I guess for me, that's part of the moment. I, I trained yeah. so hard all, all year and work hard as many people listening to this do as well. That I just think I'm, I'm, it's my chance to recover. And that's, mm. uh, that's how I go about it. So is that a resolution? Yeah. I don't know. For first of Jan, I'm back on the fitness wheel. That's for sure. No, I mean, I guess it, it would depend because it, it sounds like you're doing it as a, a cycle. So like, for example, if for argument say July was your month off because you're with the family yeah. in holidays, then, you know, you'd be training from like August to June or something like that. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, for me, I've made resolutions in the past. Like I remember once, probably must have been about 17, almost 20 years ago. I think it was almost 20 years ago. I remember the resolution of stopping alcohol uh, because oh, yeah. I, got really, I got really drunk on the New Year's Eve and I thought, right, I'm not going to drink. And I actually went, and this was back in your 20s, so it's, a, it's different now for me, but I went, I think, five months without drinking. I, I never set a, a oh, I'm going to do for the whole year or anything like that. But I said, I'm just not going to drink for now. Uh, and that was a resolution. And I did keep But The reality is, and I, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, although they are in my in my TEDx talk, but they're old numbers. But I think it's like 80% of people fail on their on there their I've, I've got some numbers for you. Anyone, yeah, you know, prepared for, for this one. I knew what we were talking about in advance. So researchers, and this is based on an American study, not the UK, but let, let's assume that, it's, uh, that we're relatively similar. Uh, researchers suggest that 9% of Americans that make resolutions complete them. In fact, research goes on to show that 23% of them quit the resolution within the first week. Yeah. And 43% have quit by the end of January. Uh, so like, most resolutions fail. Yeah. However, I don't think that is necessarily a reason not to have one because sometimes we need a trigger. And actually, if those 9% have changed things for the better, that's that's still mm. a big percentage of people. If you think of the population of America. Yeah. I'm not sure. Some success. I'm not sure. I mean, I think the, the yeah the numbers I, I I had in my talk were very similar as well. Um, but I don't know if it is because like yeah, remember that's an individual, right? So you're 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 using it as a percentage of like talking about okay, well, nine percent of people are making change. But what about those ninety one percent that then are reinforcing? Oh, I can't do the thing, right? I failed at another thing, right? For example. So here's my take on it now because. I don't really believe in New Year's resolutions um, purely because the numbers show that they don't work for the majority, vast majority of people. I do believe in having goals and having uh, plans in place, but I think that where they fail, particularly, th this is my thing with the whole uh, thought gym stuff anyway, is that people are always trying to change a habit or behavior before the mindset behind the behavior. And so the 1st of January rolls around and you go, right, I'm going to, like, you know, you've, you've probably gone to gyms in January where they're like heaving and then yeah. they're desperately empty by February um, because they set their sights on too big a target. And also um, 
they tend to be a bit finite in length where you go, right, okay, I'm going to do this for a year. It's too overwhelming. I would much rather people take, and as is the, the theme of a lot of the stuff I teach, that incremental tiny change and actually probably much, much smaller than you think. So way smaller than you think. Um, I, I don't know what, like, so let's say the typical one is, right, I'm going to lose weight, which is also a phrase I don't particularly like because if you think about it, when you lose things like your keys, you often look for them again. So I, I prefer the term release weight because subconsciously your mind is thinking, oh, I've lost this. I want to get it back. So I would say if if someone's goal is to release weight, let's say in the new year, and they've got all these plans, right, I'm going to go to the gym three times a week. I'm going to eat just healthy food. I would scrap all that personally. And I would look at the smallest possible thing that you could possibly do, whether that's just like adding that extra piece of broccoli to your meal. And then that becomes your thing. Um, and much more have it as a process-driven change rather than an outcome-driven change. Your your goals for the new year sound like very much outcome-driven ones, right? Iron Man, this, all these events, which are have definitive timescales on. But I think for the majority of people, less important is the outcome and more important is the process, right? It's that moment. Yeah, moment. I, you know what, Javi, to a certain degree, I think I probably agree with a lot of the things you've just said. Um, I don't necessarily see why that can't be part of a, of a resolution. It's just that I think we have notions of grandeur with resolutions, which make us very hard to sometimes complete them. And I think you mentioned a point there with mine, which is, well, it's not a New Year's resolution, it's a goal I've already set, right? Which is, I've got an, I've got a race in, in, in next year, which I'm, which I'm targeting. But that's about making making your goals smart, you know, um, measurable, time de- time dependent, and all the things we need to do to get there, right? So I think that's something we don't often do. So if you use the example you gave about losing weight, it's not enough to say lose weight. If you're going to no, really make change, you need to know what you're going to try and do, what's your actual target, or you know, when does it actually manifest as a, as, a, as a result or a success? What I think is really important, though, and I, and I, I think that what I took from your response, we may view it slightly differently. But I do think when people make New Year's resolutions, we we try and achieve too much, which is a slightly different way of putting what you said is we should start smaller. And the reason I say that is I think we tend to overpredict what we can achieve in one year, but we massively, massively underpredict what we can achieve in five. And if we look back at what we expect to do this time last year, for anyone listening to this, where they set out those New Year's resolutions back in you know, the start of 2023, they were probably thinking, oh, you know, that was actually unrealistic. But if you then go back five years and realize how far you've come from whatever resolution you made in 2018, you'd probably be really surprised with yourself. There are people that started families, new careers, bought themselves houses or whatever, real monumental uh, things in, 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 a, in a person's life. And actually, we often think we're not capable of those things. And it takes, I think it takes a longer time frame than a year to mm. hit the bigger goals, which I guess links to your point of start small, make it habit forming. And I think if everyone sort of, not lower their expectations. That's not what I'm trying to do, but become make their goals in the smart plan more realistic, which is the R in, in smart, and more measurable. I think it's they therefore become more achievable, and we'll see those statistics go up. But what I uh, just to take it back slightly as well. What I think is really important uh, in relation to a New Year's resolution, if you are someone that is a believer in them, maybe they've worked for you in the past, whether or not you and me have them or not, I do think it's really important that we take time to reflect on the year that's gone by. Now. We don't often do that as people. And I think although time is something that we've kind of created and we work around, I think it is a, an apt opportunity for everybody to take a moment to reflect on what we've what we have achieved, reflect on what we've you know been grateful again of what the things that we've gone through, the things we have around us, and and then sort of go into the new year with with gratitude and thankfulness 
and 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 objectives as well. Mm. They don't have to be full on resolutions, but we have things that we want to try and achieve in the in the in the years to come. I think that's a really nice thing to do because then it gives you have an opportunity yeah. with all your family around you to not just reflect but celebrate. And we don't celebrate our achievements do, enough. Do you do opinion. that? Like, because I've done this in the past in a more formal kind of way in terms of, uh, you know, I have a like a, I haven't done it actually for a while thinking about it. And you just prompted me to maybe dig it out. I remember um, we did it in various different ways uh, when I was part of a mastermind group, which was like four of us. We used to meet up on a Zoom call every month and just like have 15 minutes each to talk about things. Um, and at the end of the year, we'd often have uh, like a, a sheet with a bunch of questions on some of them. I think um, a friend of mine, he sent it were like from Tony Robbins, others I've I've got myself. But do you and, and so we used to go through like in your own time and just, you know, like you say, like, what did I achieve this year? What, what could I have done better this year? How would I like to change things moving forward? Do you do something like that? Or are you just sitting down with you in your own thoughts? Or are you having a chat with your family or your uh, I think it's a, I think it's a bit of both. I think naturally we're like you know I met with uh, friends this week. I've been back to St Albans. I've met with different friends. Tried to get myself around everyone to see everybody and and and, and it's interesting hearing how people talk because often we're as humans we're 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 quite critical. Like we talk about the things we haven't done in a year. You know when you meet up with friends. So since I last saw you, I haven't really done anything. Is what often you'll get a response. Oh, and I really was hoping to be here, mm. but I'm not there yet. Yeah. And we're, we're really critical. And I know that's a you know, self-defense piece there that we, we're often sort of critical of ourselves before we, we praise ourselves, right? It's um, a survival instinct sometimes. But I think that, I think it, it's, a, it's a natural instinct to, to be disappointed with what we've done, which is why I think it's worth going back five years, not one, to realize how much you actually have achieved. And most people have achieved way more than they ever, ever would have predicted or anticipated. Mm. So going back to your question, I think I do all of those things. I definitely reflect by myself and think, okay, what am I pleased about this year? What have I really achieved? Where am I compared to last year or five years? I think five years is a better place to go because then I can really reward, you know, feel proud of whatever I've, I've gone through. I do that with family. So bring my dad into context. We know he's very unwell. He's in palliative care now. And since we started the show, he wasn't when we started the show. He was unwell. He's now in bad. So, you know, he's he's digressed, which is a shame. But there's a chance to be thankful that hopefully he's going to be around us for Christmas Day and we can celebrate that, which is beyond doctor's expectations. So that's definitely a family-based appreciation of, you know, what an achievement, dad. Well done. And, and let's let's celebrate that and have a, have a glass of whiskey or whatever it is we decide to do to, to, to be thankful for that moment. I think there's um, there's other things in our family. So absolutely, do I talk to family about it? We've had two new additions to my family. Um, both my sisters have had have had kids, and mm. you know their babies will be at Christmas, and Christmas is a great time to be around children. That's what it's all yeah. about. So yeah, I, th- I think there's a bit of all of that really. That reflection of what we've we done this year. We've had two new lives enter the world. Fortunately, we haven't had one leave it yet in our family, which is good. And then we know that's on the cards at some point. And I think. Um, I think it's important to reflect, going back to your initial question on what I've achieved this year personally and what I should be thankful for, and also to do that in amongst those that you love. And I'll go back to the question or the thing I mentioned in our last show. There's a reason I love Christmas Day, because you're with the people you love, and there's no one else that needs me on that. Yeah. They're all yeah. around me. I don't need my phone, don't need the social media. It's a chance to have those conversations, actually. Um, and it's those conversations that mean way more than a, a text exchange or whatever. Because they're real, they're authentic, and you can have it with the with your family. So you know what? Well, what are you really happy about this year? What are you thankful for? What when? What do you want to celebrate? What what can we you know, chink your glasses to and say cheers? And I think that's a really nice conversation to have. Yeah, I think um, 
Interesting, actually. We, we also had a new a new life into this world uh, this year. My sister had a baby, as uh, I think my mom mentioned in, in August. So there'll, there'll be a new baby at Christmas Day. We're going to all do it at my sister's house. And But it's interesting when you talk about reflecting on what you've achieved in the longest period of time. Because I remember <clears throat> it was a few years back now. I don't know. I think it was 2017. Um, and I remember uh, I put this post on, on Facebook, actually, because that morning i felt a little bit low so i was feeling a little low and depressed or whatever and i believe it was the 7th of july 2017 or was it 2015 maybe it was the 7th of july 2015 actually and uh, the reason i know that date specifically is because i was feeling like low about myself and i was thinking oh you know like i'd just broken up with my then girlfriend of, of four years a, a few months earlier i think i was still injured i had like this this knee issue going on and I was by myself in the flat for the first time in years that I wasn't like you know used to. And I wrote on the, on the post, I was like, I was feeling bad about myself. And then I reflected on the last 10 years. And I remember exactly where I was 10 years ago, because it was the 7th of July, 2005, which is when we had the London bombings, if you remember. Yeah. I, was, I was at the time working at the London Stock Exchange and it right around the corner from where the bombs went off. And we had to... Um, I had to go to the um, disaster recovery site for the stock exchange and set it all up by myself, I think it was, or maybe with one other t- person. But I was thinking, you know, I'm feeling low because, you know, I, I've broken up with my girlfriend, I've got a bust up knee, blah, blah. And I was like, actually, in the last 10 years, I've changed career, I've coached loads of people to help, I've had X amount of views on my YouTube video, I've, I've published a book, and, you know, I've done, you know, sold, sold courses online, I've done blah, blah, blah. And then, Amazing. Ten years, right? In that one year, maybe I hadn't done as much. And so it is interesting to reflect on a longer period of time because you like you say, you, you do it does take a while to achieve things. Um, and you you often don't notice it when it happens. Like I remember years ago, 2006 it was, I was doing the Tony Robbins personal power two thing. And um, it was doing a goal setting thing there. And there he actually says, and it's quite good, you just put some music on and he had, he was talking you through it over about five, ten minutes. And the idea was not to limit yourself, you know, you just write lots of things. And so I was writing things like, you know, climb Mount Kilimanjaro, go to Everest Base Camp, own my own property, blah, blah, blah. And I wrote about all these things, like hundreds of things maybe. And then I put it in the drawer, forgot about it, and then looked at it maybe 10 years later. And I was like, oh, actually, you know what? I have gone to Mount Kilimanjaro. I have done the Everest thing. I have bought my own property. I've done... And I was like, and that was without a structure, right? Without the smart sure. stuff, without that. Just having it in in. It's a great example, though, of where we underestimate what we can achieve in five well, years yeah. or ten years, and massively overestimate one. I go back. I go back to that because I think I think that's really important. I don't think we give ourselves enough credit. We're, we're often so self-critical. I mean, you and I both know. Like, we both got coaching clients, and I think one of the most common things, if not the most common thing, that we come up against, or something that I do when I'm working with clients is lack of self-esteem, lack of confidence, uh, imposter syndrome comes up a lot. Yeah. And you know, all these these kind of terms which link to, you know, that that self-depreciating view of the world that we often have that we we're not good enough, that we haven't achieved enough, that we have all these expectations and if for whatever reason we don't achieve them, we feel either we're being judged or we're judging ourselves. Um, you know, people won't put things on social media because they don't feel they've quite got where they wanted to get to. So you put nothing out there and you kind of, you know, whatever it is, people mm. people are really self-critical of themselves. What's interesting though, and just hearing what you said there, and I know you're very good at this, but you're self-taught and you've, you know, you've, you've made this a discipline. 
But when we say things to ourselves, we often don't believe them because we also know what's buried in our subconscious, right? So we'll say, I'm really successful. I don't know, whatever it is, you know, and because you, Harry says I'm successful, so I'm going to tell myself I'm really successful. And we get these mantras and people will say, if you say this every day, you'll believe it. But if our subconscious doesn't believe it, doesn't matter how many yeah. times we'll say it, we won't. What can be really powerful is having someone else say it to us. And I know something that's been really uh, powerful in the coaching experiences that I've been involved in is when you're speaking to someone who's got, low, let's say, low self-confidence, as an example, and they don't believe they've achieved enough, and they'll be talking to you about all the, you know, I'll not know them as a career coach as well, but what they've achieved in their, in their, in their, in their CVs and what they've done over the periods and over months of working with the client, you'll get to know them really well. Is after a while, I'll say, well, let me just tell you about another client I've got. And I'll go into detail about that client, and let's say, you know, they are business owner who's built a business that's worth. Two million quid, and they've this this particular individual has hired twenty staff, and whilst doing that, they've achieved they ran a marathon, they raised five thousand pounds for charity, and da, da, da. and often the client over there going, that person sounds amazing. Like, who is this client? You know, I can't believe they've got self confidence issues. And you're like, that client's you. Like that's that's how I see you based on all the things you've told me over the last six months. And there's that moment of just going, but that person sounds amazing, and that's not who I am. But yeah. it's, we don't always appreciate that. So I think when you're with family and friends in the new year over Christmas, there's an opportunity as well. And it's a really fun exercise to do is to describe to others how you, how you see them in a positive way. So I'd say, Harry, in the last year since we've known each other, mate, this is these are things I think are fantastic achievements in the way that I see you. Mm. You know, you've never done a podcast before and now you're, yeah, you've had hosted over 25 shows. And you know, there's, there's things we can do yeah. there that we may not give ourselves credit. And I think that's a, quite a powerful thing because sometimes yeah. we'll listen to it more when it comes from someone else's voice, well, particularly yeah. if it's someone that we love or respect. I think um, it reminds me when you were talking about that and, you know, believing in yourself. Um, I think a career coach I had probably oh, 12, 13 years ago, I think they said this first. I'm not sure if it was true or not that they said this, but I, I, I attribute it to them. But they said, if you're struggling to believe in yourself, find someone that believes in you yeah, and nice. then believe in them instead. That is, you know what, I've not heard that before, but that's... That sends me a little shiver, generally, because that's literally what I've just what I've just tried to describe, but way more succinctly. And it's powerful. And you know what? What a great thing to do. I mean, it links to the it's not the how, it's the who. If you want to achieve something, if you are doing a New Year's resolution, your, your goal setting, and you're tapping into your vision, don't get completely caught up in the how. It's the who believes in you, who can you lean on to help you achieve whatever mm. that is. If that's a fitness goal, which they often are with resolutions, you mentioned losing weight. I think the most common one we tend to come across is in the new year, I'm going to get fitter healthier, more productive or whatever. Yeah. But actually, if you do that alone, you're more likely to fail. So who's the accountability coach you can work with? Who's the yeah. fitness coach? Where's the gym? All the things, you know, go, go and do the things that enable yeah. you to do the thing you need to achieve. You know what I'm thinking through this discussion is, you know, for the listeners that are listening, I, I'm, I'm veering more away from those kind of goals and resolutions. And I would say possibly think about instead of, goals like those external goals like that maybe think about either internal goals or what i would say character goals so for example maybe it's um you know my goal is my new year's resolution is just to smile more when i see people or it is to start my gratitude list or it is to hold the door open a bit more often or to make eye contact when i'm buying something from sainsbury's instead of just tapping and going something like that which is really small achievable and actually might you know it's something that you could do every day i think would be actually probably more beneficial and and i'm not saying don't have the other goals but also the challenge with those is that 
you, like I said before, often you're setting these goals without addressing the mindset that drives the behavior. And this is this is the whole reason that I wrote the first book, The Thought Gym, is because people go into that New Year's resolution mode of trying to lose weight, get fit, whatever the thing is, and they don't address the behavior that's behind it. And then when they quit in third week of January or fourth week of January, they, they might feel crappy about themselves. So I would say actually have those goals, but have them just and start them at another time of the year. And also not necessarily have a, an extended period of time that you're going to do it for. Just say this week, I'm going to just, you know, go for th like three walks around the park or something yeah. and have it really, really small. But then at New Year's, maybe just think about a character goal. Uh, and I think that's what I might do this time. Actually, I, I agree um, with you, Harry. And, you know, we, sometimes we debate, sometimes we agree. We see the world and our values are similar. And I think in this instance, I'm, I'm totally on board. There's a saying that vision drives decision, but I think sometimes we can get, lost in that where we go oh, no, i'm going to, in the example you've given i'm going to get lose weight you know i'm going to get fitter whatever but actually the target at the end of that isn't just to lose weight it's, it's the feeling of being healthier so that you can be there as a support person to your mum when they need it or mm. to your family when you need them so that you you elongate your life to be around for longer what the long thing is you mentioned to smile more well often we sign up for these massive projects or disciplines or, or, or targets or whatever with the idea that we're going to get enjoyment but actually Sometimes there's there's a lot of people um, will say, and it's certainly in the world of coaching, that a goal is somewhere to come from, not to go to. Mm. So if you break it down, and one of mine is after someone said to me, Nick, you know, I find it really hard to work from home because I realise I've got no one to laugh with, and I when I work from home, I never laugh. So a small goal in that instance for me would be I want to laugh every day. So yes. I now make an effort to every single day since that person said it to me, I've tried to make sure there's a call I have, whether it's the uh, Zoom or whatever, if I can't meet people, I have a call with someone and I had a chat, a great chat with someone called Margaret O'Cheng, who I, I, I think is wonderful on Friday. And I told her about this and she's, you know, I haven't heard from you for ages. I said, you know what, today's, I need to laugh every day. Every time we chat, we laugh. So you're the person I've decided I'm going to call today and just reconnect with and That's, make sure that while I'm working maybe. from home, aid way we reconnect, which builds that social bubble, but also we laugh as well. Now there's other things. Some people might go, I need to laugh every day. So next, my New Year's resolution is I'm going to sign up to a comedy course and learn stand-up comedy, but it's the wrong way round. Like, it, it, that's yeah, going yeah, to I mean, a goal, not coming from it. I, I actually had a similar goal. I had the exact same goal, actually, um, or not necessarily a goal, but uh, observation myself uh, a few years back, because I, I remember um, the girlfriend I had way back when, I would laugh every day. I didn't realise that until we broke up. And then laughter fits into my beat model, actually. It's, it's under that activity section about play and fun and laughter because it's so good for the body. And I think in my book, the one that I will release um, in a few months, uh, I talk about laughter in a bit more detail with the, the studies and so on. But if you don't have the opportunity to laugh, because when I'm with my nieces and, and things like that, you're always laughing because there's, there's, yeah. there's always fun. And it's fun. natural and authentic. Where, but I'm not there all the time. Bring out so, of us. so for me, it's about finding, maybe I'm not having those conversations. I should find someone I will laugh with on conversations, but I tend to watch like even just something funny that I know will make me laugh on Netflix or wherever. Um, so I can laugh out loud. Now I'm not doing that every day, uh, which is uh, something that I would like to work towards for sure, because laughter is so important, um, I think, and it's really underrated. Uh, but there's even like things like laughter yoga. I don't know if you've ever come across I that. I have. So I've not been over there laughing yoga. I've seen other laughing kind of sessions. You can go in and have laughing groups. Yeah. But I so think... You know, you were talking about smiling more. I think there's a really important message in there. And when it comes to resolutions, in fact, when it comes to Christmas, I know this is going to come out after Christmas, but resolutions, we tend to 
if you think about it as a, we think they're positive, but actually they're often negative because we focus on the, as you said earlier, the thing we don't have. So we don't have that thing. So next year I'm going to focus on having that thing rather than you could argue that a better way of seeing a new resolution is to focus on being ungrateful on what we already have. Whether mm. that's the ability to smile more, the ability to laugh more, you know, we don't have to go for that thing. And I'm yeah. as guilty of this as anybody, right? And, I, and my wife was, was the first to, I say, pull me back onto the right path. I've, I've mentioned this before, I think, but I would, I had signed up to do my PhD um, and I wanted to take my my coaching experience to another level in the world of 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 um, the brain and, and how neurons work together, all those kind of things. And I was like, you know what, I'll do a PhD. And I got onto the course. So I was, I was, I was, I was in, due to enroll and, and, and follow it. I had, had my interviews and all that stuff. But actually it was me searching for something that I thought when I have that thing, then I'll be credible. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's because I don't feel that I'm credible enough internally. That's a problem with me. It's not a problem with the qualification. I can read all the same books. I read all the books anyway. And you find if you get the reading list for the course and you realize you read half of them already, it's yeah. not about that. The qualification doesn't suddenly make you credible. No. But it does because I have a, an insecurity, potentially that's the right word, or you know, I don't feel that I'm worthy enough at the moment to be able yeah. to... So well, this, in that way or be this goes back enough. to our conversation a few months ago where I was, I, you, you, you didn't really kind of get it for me, but like where I was talking about the difference between being certified and qualified. Yeah. And we were having this lit discussion because I was saying I'm a certified yoga teacher, but do I feel qualified? And there's a difference between, so for me internally qualified is that internal confidence that you are qualified to actually deliver and coach yeah. or whatever. And then certified is someone else is saying, okay, you pay me five grand to do this course. Here's a piece of paper. Yeah. I'm not saying people shouldn't have a New Year's resolution to go and do that degree that you've been yearning to do for years and years. And maybe next year is the year you're going to sign up to do it, right? You've got to find your own goals and, and wills and wants and whatever. But I know for me, I was signing up not really because I don't really care if someone calls me doctor or not. That wasn't that bit. It was, for me, I felt like I needed that level of credibility. But actually, I'd be sacrificing six more years of time part-time mm. with my family and one of the things that are really important to me that that feeling of being credible to to external people that actually predominantly don't know me anyway yeah. um or do i really want to be present for my family now and get the love and support that i want so that i'm there for them and they already i don't i'm not trying to get credibility from them so I was out of balance, really. And that would have been, yeah. an, for me, it would have been an incorrect resolution for me next year to go, next year's the year I'll do my PhD. It'd yeah. be coming from the wrong place. It's focusing on the thing I don't have, not the things that I do. So a better resolution would actually be along my lines of spend an extra 10 minutes every day with, with my kids. And that's yeah. achievable. It's small, as you mentioned. It's something I can measure very easily. Um, and I might pick a particular day. So every Tuesday evening, I'm going to take my daughter bowling, which I do, but I'm going to continue that. And every you know Friday, I'm going to take him to tennis and or whatever, my son's tennis. They're, they're small things that mean a whole world, you know, a whole lot more than mm. some of the achievement-based yeah, I mean, outcomes we look for. I, I've wrestled with that same thing about the PhD myself, like probably a few years ago and, and other additional qualifications where I'm like, okay, do I feel credible enough? Should I get this? Should I get that? And I thought, hang on a second, I'm, and I probably came to the same conclusion as you, right? I, I, am I getting it for the right reasons, right? Do I? And, and I think that my master's definitely put me off because I felt like in a certain degree, I'm not, I'm not in that academic mindset in that I feel like some of the academic work is, is a little bit behind the times a lot of the time and slow to change. And so I felt, okay, I have that qualification now or that certification, but do I really want to go further with things? And is it just a case of putting things off because you don't believe in yourself enough 
that you go, okay, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy if, I'll well, be that's qualified it. if, yeah. right? If then. When I lose that weight, then I'll be happy. When I make that yeah. million, then I'll be happy. You know, it's, it's like, no, you've got to, it's be, be, do, have, right? Be happy, then you'll, you'll have the thing and then you, you do the thing rather than, oh, when I do this, I'll, then I'll, I'll, I'll be, be this way. That's not how it works in life. And I think that's a lot of time with people who, with happiness. They go, <clears throat> yeah, when I've got that house, I'll be happy. Or when I've got this, I'll be happy you're always going to be searching, right? Happiness is an inside job for a lot of time. And there are people who who are maybe like starving in third worlds, having all these things, and they can still find time to be happy. Because oh, yeah. I mean, look, there's, I think there's lots of evidence that says thing. socioeconomic status doesn't define happiness, right? You can be no, rich. In in fact, actually, I've got a book called Being Happy by, was it um, something Matthews? Um, one of the best books, actually, speaking of books, because a lot of people um, think about books for New Year, but... I think I mentioned it to you before, but it's by the same author, uh, some Andrew Matthews or something like that, but it's called How Life Works. I really recommend that. And I also recommend that for you because it's it's kind of like a, a coffee table book, but it's not very thick and it's got like illustrations. So I think it's readable from the age. <laughs> I love the way you said that. I think it'd be good for you, Nick, because there's not much writing and there's lots no, of no, no. pictures. No, no, not for that reason, though. Not I'm for teasing, that reason. I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Because... Um, you can put it down and then maybe your children will pick it up and start to read it. it I think it's, I think from about the age of ele- about 11 or so, 12, it's a readable book uh, or maybe even 10. But it, if you, if you want to wrap up all the personal development books, like Think and Grow Rich and The Secret and um, gosh, what are some of the other classics? Oh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. If you want to wrap all those up, and get someone to be able to read. And actually, my mum read this. My my mum read this book like five years ago because I put it to her, and she never reads anything. And she was like, "Oh, that's really good." And she actually took it with us when we hired this house in Miami for Christmas, and we the whole family went there for Christmas uh, about five years ago, kind of in the hope that other people would like you leave it on the coffee table, pick it up, yeah. flip it, and stuff like that. So I really recommend How Life Works, and the other book is uh, Being Happy or How to Be Happy. Uh, which is by the same author, well, I guess. If we're talking books, there's a coffee table book I would hugely recommend. I've bought it several copies for several friends and family in the past as well. It's a wonderful, wonderful book, wonderful for children and adults. Um, and it's called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse. And you probably know it, um, Harry. Mm, I don't actually. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. Um, it's for kids. It's just a, a pretty much so a saying, a line, a line on the book and everything is just pretty profound and it keeps people in the right places what, what age what age would they be reading that? oh i mean leo could easily pick it up um equally you'd look at it the illustrations are, are wonderful i'm trying to think there's a um it'll say things like is your glass half empty or half full asked the mole i think i'm grateful just to have a glass said the boy That's yeah an example so, of so, the let me look it up what's it called the it's called the uh, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. Okay, got it. The by Charlie Maxey. It's you can get it for like six quid now. It's a wonderful book, honestly. Every every illustration, every page is one to be remembered and to be thankful for. It's a really really good book. Yeah, however, if you don't want a coffee table book, this is what I can say it now because it'll be published in the new year because I bought this one for my Christmas and I don't want to give my mum's presents away before she's opened it, but this will be published after she's opened it. Which is a book I mentioned before called Letting Go. Got it here. Oh, uh, is, I've got that up here. Ah, The Pathway of Surrender by Do- uh, David R. Hawkins. Yeah, but interestingly, this is the one that I recommended to you last week by the same author, Power Versus Force. Ah, and I know you did because I picked it up. 
Okay. 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 So I'll do this, sir. He's also written um, another book called The Map of Consciousness Explained, which I haven't read yeah. yet. Oh, it's so good that you've got to let him go because obviously... I've, I've read it already, but I finished letting go a while ago, but I bought it for my mum because I think it'll be helpful for her with, the, yeah. with my dad. Um, yeah. You'll see this uh, space now about grief and other things but when, when that time comes, but um, it's just a wonderful book and it's called yeah, Letting Go, The Pathway of Surrender. And um, I just recommend it to a couple of guys at work as well, actually. Um, mm. It's not a coffee table book. Worth- yeah, it, I found it like very interesting because it was so, for me, I really loved Power Versus Force. It's one of my top books of all time, I think. But I really didn't get on with Letting Go because I, I felt like I walked away and I still, and maybe you can help me out with this, but I didn't quite know what was the thing. What was the nuggets? What was the five-step process to Letting Go? Like, do you, so I might have missed it. I might not have paid enough attention, but. I don't think there is a five-step process. Although, actually, I'd say one thing I've taken away from it so far, which links, I think, to what we've been talking about today and and news resolutions and everything else in terms of what we try and achieve, very much that what's happening externally, what's happening in the world, or the way that we show up is really a reflection of what's really going on on the inside. Yeah. And, you know, that's based on our subconscious beliefs and our experiences and therefore our interpretations of them, right? So if we're able to let go of those things then mm. we don't need to show up externally. We don't need to try and reflect those, those insecurities in the way that we do. Um, sometimes people struggle to, to get hold of this. So a, a simple example I would give, I think he does this in the book. It's, it's, it's early on in the book. But a simple example would be like a bully at school. Now, often they show up as being this bully, this aggressor, mm. because they really struggle internally at home. Maybe something's gone yeah. at home where they, they have lack of self-confidence. Or you get the, you know, the promiscuous... Uh, individual who's you know really sexually open and flamboyant, but actually you realise that they really lack self confidence or yeah. whatever it is, and we show up with our we yeah. use our ego to show up, and if we yeah. let go yeah. of that, then we can really get in touch with who we really are and not worry about what other people think. And I wonder how many resolutions people are making right now to link it to what we're talking about uh, today. How many of those listening to this at the moment are making or planning to make a resolution that links to how other people think? I mean, let um, that go and focus on what you really want. And you might find it changes the resolution you're about to make. Yeah, I think you're, as you, you were saying, but a phrase I've heard that I like is your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. Yeah. I mean, you, you had a great, you said something brilliant. Happiness is uh, from, the, uh, from the inside out. It's an inside out. job. It's an inside, yeah, inside job. job. That was quite, I never heard that before. That was, I but picked that up when it, you said it. It I like definitely that. is. And also, it was interesting when you talked about bullies because I was thinking, you know, I heard this phrase, I think it was from Sean Stevenson, who, who runs the excellent model health show, which I really recommend as a health podcast. But he always says, hurt people, hurt people. So hurt yeah. people, hurt people. Yeah. And, and I often talk about that when I'm in front of students because sometimes bullying comes up as a, a speech that they talk about and or there'll be bullying going on in the room, right, that I notice. And I'm always like saying things like that, right, hurt people, hurt people. And actually there's something going on or who is not loving you enough or who's treating you that way that actually makes you – because basically happy people don't lash out. If you think about like when you're first in love with people, right, suddenly nothing can bother you, right? You, you, you could get stuck in traffic or, or like a car a car come past and splash a puddle of water over you. And you're still finding it like the joyous of joyful days when you're in love. Yeah. And it's not the thing, right? It's never the thing. It's always your response to the thing that that is important. And this is one of those fundamental truths that I, I, that I, I tell a, people. I had a meeting with someone um, at work. And obviously I, for confidentiality reasons, I won't, I won't give who that person was but i'll give you a little bit of context behind the conversation so there was a uh, something that the individual was thinking about emailing out and uh, he said i decided to hold back because 
um, you know, it may have may have offended or, or or whatever the individual that was about to receive it. And I thought not, but it would have been funny, is what he said. I said, right, okay. hold on to that for a minute. Where in your value chain, when you consider who you are as an individual, when you, you know, when you describe yourself to your kids or, or you know, and if someone was writing a eulogy about who you are, how would you want to be described? How, you know, how would you want to be seen? He said, well, I wanted people to talk about how I was really loyal. I was really trustworthy. I was always there for them. I said, it's okay, where would humor and you being the funny guy, where would that rank? And he's like, well, it wouldn't really. So I said, so the only, you know, if you think about, the, I mean, it's good you didn't send it, but the idea being that the only reason you wanted to send it really was to, to show everyone else in the room that you're funny. Hmm. But that's not what people are looking for. You know, they're not looking for, and actually in doing so, you would have potentially upset another individual in the room. So at their expense, you would have been seen as the funny guy. For something would have been forgotten straight away. What you want to be seen as actually is the loyal guy, the guy that can be trusted upon, the guy that can do all these different things. And that's way more valuable. And it's a bit like, um, you, know, you talked about your the meaning of life. I think for you, it's quite defined. Um, but life, if you think about the meaning of life, it's not about getting what you want, i.e. being seen as the funny guy. It's about seeing who you are and being comfortable with that. If you're not the funny guy, I'm certainly no, I don't mind admitting, I'm certainly not the funniest of my group of friends. And I'm quite happy with that. I've got some guys I'm good friends with who are way funnier than me. But I don't think they're friends with me because of my humor. They're friends with me because I'm hopefully bring other qualities to the table. Um, which are loyalty, which are the ability to be trusted, the ability to be there for them, a twenty-four hour friend at any moment. You know that they're different qualities that we that we rely upon. And I think um, if we're able to see who we really are, we kind of are able to understand what we really—I don't like the word need—but um, what we really want, I guess, from life. Because I think it's a different question. We often want more because we feel like we we need it for others. We don't create from what we have, do we? We create from what we are. So it's there's a different idea thing there. What, that's, it's a I tough wonder, thing probably to comprehend, but, you know, I'm just we thinking often that try and resolve the things that we're not happy with by our pain or insecurities, by looking outside, by looking at the external. Yeah, that's the point. Like, when you want something, it's it's, it's coming from a sense of lack. Um, yeah. And I think if you, when you realise that you, and this sounds so cliche, but as we say, every cliche has got some sort of element of truth, but... When you realise you've got everything you really already need, then you don't want for anything. And and okay, yeah, we're not talking like foundational needs of shelter and food and things like that, but it's those superfluous needs that often we want. And actually, it's hard for me to articulate it, but I think it, it, it's kind of finding inner peace. I think is is I guess yeah, the yeah. For is, oh, I agree. I mean, we, when you're not when you're find at that peace, you want looking outside of ourselves, yeah. right? We need to look inside. As you, I, it was just, you said it, you said the word earlier, happiness is an inside job. And I love that. I've not heard it before and it resonates and it is. Um, if we think about family, Christmas and New Year's, bring it back yeah. into context of today's conversation, right? Our resolution might be next year, I'm going to make my first million. But actually, if suddenly, um, if um, it's not my resolution, but let's say it was, or someone's listening to saying, oh, next year I want to make X, Y, or Z. If suddenly my son was unwell, I mean, I wouldn't give two shits about the money yeah. you'd be there for your son or your daughter or, or whatever you know it, it brings other things right into sharp focus but we often are trying to achieve that thing externally because we think when we get that thing it will make us happy but often we've got happiness all around us it's just we don't appreciate it's there because we're not looking in that direction um we're looking often in a direction that we think will allow us to get a better version of judgment from others that we think at that point will be happier you know, oh, I want to be when I live in Australia or wherever it is, because that my friend lives out there and looks sunny all the time, then I'll be happy. It's like you've got everything you need 
around you right now, yeah. which is why you mentioned earlier and, and very, um, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Astutely. Poignantly, I think <laughs> the socioeconomic piece, you know, you mentioned earlier, you can be wherever you are and, and living in, in yeah. destitute, but you, you could still, that doesn't, we assume well, because we have these things, that means they're unhappy. It's not I think for me, some of it comes up at Christmas because I think so many people lose sight of that fact. And I've, I've got family members as well. And it's all, yeah, fair enough. They've got kids and kids is all about the presents, but it's not really about the presence. It's about the presence. And I think, when I think that's the best gift you can give to people, especially these days, is be present <laughs> rather than give presents because so many of us are lost in our mobile phones and everything else. And I think like just understanding that this time of year, it's not about the gifts, right? It's about connection. It's about being with the people you love. It's about celebrating your health if you are lucky enough to have it um, or the health of other people. I think that's what it's really important. Whereas I think the commercialization of every, every, pretty much every month, there's some sort of commercialization of some yeah. date because people want to make money, right? Nothing wrong with that. It's just that I think that more and more society, especially when I, I spend, like I said before the course, probably in front of about 2000 young people a, a year, around 14, 15. And your children are being brought up largely, not just by parents or teachers, but by the, the environment around them, which includes now the digital environment. And I think when you, and I was at a school the other day and they were having some sort of drop down day, or it was, I think a non-uniform type day. And the amount of girls who are probably about 15 years old, maybe 16 years old. And every photo, they kept going to the, but it was like one of these communal toilet things that also teachers had to use. And, and it was all in an open space. Um, so where you wash your hands and, and the mirrors and everything. And they're like, they don't, they're taking photos as selfies and with like the Instagram pout type thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, this is such a shame. Like, and I see this sometimes with my nieces when they take a picture. It's like, like it's like the Zoolander kind of blue steel or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I just feel it is a shame, shame because it's, it puts a huge amount of pressure as well on conformity. Oh, yeah. Sh showing, having as a parent of of a teenage girl, right? And, and I'm sure at some point we'll talk about some of the things I've had to we've had to work through as a family is on the show at a later date. But um, you know, I can say that some of the social thing is very very dangerous. I think if I had a lesson again, and you mentioned mobile phones, actually, actually there is a thinking about it, and I'll come back to what's going in just a moment. There is a resolution I'm going to make today, and it was actually delivered of something I saw by Simon Sinek. I'll come back to it. So. Having not believed in resolutions, there is a habit I'm going to try and change, and I'll go back to that in just a moment. You're going to try and try and change, or you're going to change? Yeah, going to change, going to change. Yeah, I'm more because a lot of these changes, um, it's about raising awareness. We need to be more aware yeah. of who we are in the world and how we show up. Yeah. And that's what coaching does, raising awareness. So that's something it raised my awareness in me that I hadn't appreciated, and I'll tell you what that is in a moment. But with the mobile phone thing, then is I think anyone parents listening to this. Delay, delay, delay giving a mobile phone to your kid for as long as possible unless you really need to because it changes things very quickly. It heaps loads of pressure on them. Yes, they can be more connected to the world, but the question is, do you want them to be? Because the outside world can be quite a dangerous place, particularly if you're in that place of comparison. Comparison is a thief of joy, never more so in the teenage years when you're all you're doing is comparing yourself to everyone yeah. else. It's dangerous. Um, and linking that to Christmas, right? We want to connect with life, not stuff or money. You said the yeah. presents people around you connect with the people around you not with the stuff not with the money not with the thing um because most happiness comes from caring for others anyway right the idea yeah. of giving to others that's the bit that really gives us you know innate happiness often, often you know in the world but 
Um, I'm going to go two things. So one is a saying I think you'll like, which I think linked to something you were saying a minute ago, and I'll go back to my New Year's resolution piece in a minute, is you need to change your current view of reality if you want your current reality to change. Yeah, yeah. Which I really like, right? And that's a really good time to do that is New Year's Eve or, or, you know, when you're going to go into the new year, if you've got these ideas, what's your current view of reality? Because you need to change it if you want your current reality to change. It's really, really powerful stuff. I think what, um, before you go to your New Year's resolution, actually, okay. what, something I wanted to say on that, because, um, again, it, like, I need to give you my book because the book in here, even one of my first um, first quotes, but it's similar to that, but it's by Wayne Dyer. It's either Wayne Dyer or Zig Ziglar, depends who said it, but change the way that you look at things and the things that you look at change. Yeah, that's very similar. Basically the same thing. And and it's so true. And I've tried to tell that to a lot of people. And a lot of people don't get these things when I when I tell them. But it when I started to really resonate with that quote, maybe 15 years ago or 12 years ago, and I started to change, like I think we've talked about the story of where I was walking down the street and it was a grey day and I was thinking, well, what miserable day. And I was thinking, oh, hang on a second, the day's not miserable, right? The day doesn't have feelings like that, right? It's yeah. just a grey day, right? It's a rainy day, but it's how I look at it. How do I look at the day? And then suddenly things changed and like my relationships changed and my uh, success changed and everything changed because I changed the way I looked at things. And I think it's such a, a, a appropriate quote, you, you know, the one that you said with reality as well. Right, there's another one I've mentioned before, right? Your your day does not does not dictate your your um your mood. Your mood dictates your day. Yeah. I mean, interestingly, so um, a person who listens to this show, I hopefully she doesn't mind me saying this because I sent her this this afterwards by text. It's, it's similar to the two quotes we've just given, but she was worried about a particular thing that may or may not happen. And I was, I was saying to her, Look, we don't know if it's going to happen yet. But she's she said, but I feel angry and I feel. Fearful. I was like, all these things you don't know. You, you've created yeah. a reality for yourself that doesn't yet exist. Like, just just go and do the thing and see what happens. Because yeah, but I know it's going to be this way, and I'm sure that you don't actually know anything. The future hasn't happened yet. So just like yeah. chill. And um, anyway, that, that that reminds me of something I said to the students yesterday, which is a Mark Twain quote. Um, I, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but it says, "I've had a lot of worries in my life." Um, and he says it most of which never happened or some of which even happened. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that's the thing is we worry and I've got worries at the moment. And like, I'm thinking actually most of the time, these things that we worry about don't materialize. Don't materialize. We, well, in this instance, energy I dropped, it. I dropped curse in the message and said, so how, how was the thing? And she was like, oh, it never happened. It was whatever the environment yeah. didn't happen. I was like, well, here's a great example of where you think you have a reality problem. In reality, you have a thinking problem. Which is very similar, I guess, to the Mark Twain yeah. concept. Yeah, exactly. It's all stuck in our thoughts. If we can let go of the feelings, actually, that we have, often the thoughts will disappear with them. But anyway, going to the um, the New Year's piece then. So here's yeah. a habit forming change, and it's um, inspired by Simon Sinek. Uh, and I saw one of his videos, and he was doing a talk, holding his mobile phone in his hand, and he was like, "Who here is distracted? Who here thinks I'm really present while I give this talk? While I have this mobile in my hand, I'm not looking at it, but I'm holding it. So mm. who here thinks I'm fully engaged?" And everyone's like, "Well, you don't." He said, "Right." So who here, when you're having that conversation with your wife or your partner or you're going out for dinner and you have your phone with you, you put it on the table. And he said, um, many of you, and it's something that I do, I put it on the table, but I'll turn it over. Mm. And he said, oh, here we go. And he did it. He puts it on the table. He turns it over and goes, now who thinks that I'm fully present? And he said, you're not. It's that we ha- we've created a, 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 a situation in the world now where just the sight of a phone, yeah. so- we associate with distraction and not being present. So whether or not you are present or not, Having that thing in view turned upside yeah. down is a sign to the person you're with that you're only 90% engaged because if exactly. something goes off, you're going to turn it over. And it's something that I do. 
And it's something that I think I do when I am present because I'm you turning did, it over. You did, that, you did that with me. You did that with me. I there you go. I'm sure I did. Well, my, my, my phone literally is behind the screen, right? Because if it's in front, if it's by the... Th- so this is what I do. I, I literally put it behind the screen. So otherwise it becomes a distraction. I, literally, I, I, I tell this to people all the time. So we're because, talking about raising awareness, right? So it raised awareness in me because I viewed it from the different viewpoint of watching yeah. him explain it. Yeah. And I'd never, not because I, I wasn't trying to be rude or, or, or um, belligerent or stubborn with it. I just never saw it from that perspective. I thought in turning it over, that was me being present. And it yeah. isn't. When you see it from a different view, it changes your perspective and I've, it's changed my perspective. So now my plan, and it's not just the new year, it's from, from the day I saw that video, which was about three days ago. Um, so it's not new year, but obviously it'll apply in the yeah. new year. Yeah, one yeah. little change, one habit forming shift I'm going to make is to make sure that when I'm around in those situations, it's either not with me at all, it's in my bag and out of sight, yeah. or it's just not there in a space where, although I might have it on silent and turned over, it's a distraction for the other person yeah. because they don't know what settings I've got turned on. All they can see is it's in their eye line. Is he fully engaged or is he not? Yeah, and, they're um, competing yeah. for your attention with that phone. So they're constantly thinking, is something more important than this moment Correct. right now? And I actually don't even like having my phone in my pocket when I'm presenting because I feel it as a distraction in my pocket. So when I'm presenting or anything like that, I have it in the bag away from me. Otherwise, it, it, it becomes a distraction. But did I tell you, I thought we discussed the twin study. I thought we discussed the twin study about the mobile phones on the table. Um, if not, very quickly. Perfect. There was, a, there was a twin study. I think there was like 30 groups of twins. And they took them for IQ tests, like nonverbal reasoning. That's no, we haven't done this. I haven't dispersed the word. So this was actually, I think, one of these BBC programs that maybe one of those Van, Van Tolpin twins did years ago. And they took like 30 groups of twins and they had them do IQ tests. One group of twins, they were said, right, you can have your mobile phone just on the table, but you know, you can't look at it for the answers or anything. You can have it on the table. The other group, you have to have your mobile phones in the locker. And there was a statistically significant and marked difference of about 10 IQ point difference between the twins of the people that had the phone in the locker scoring higher than the people that had the phone on the table. Um, and I, I use that study quite often yeah. to tell people the same thing. Like, you know, it, you think that you're being present and you think it's not a distraction. Um, but I remember when we were chatting, I think last April, and because you have a lot of notifications on your phone. I do. Like, I mean, you're, you're burying me now, aren't you, Harry? That's fine. I yeah, yeah, you have a, <laughs> like, because because when we were talking and you, you didn't have the phone upside down at the time and you had it flipped around and there was notification, I saw them and it was like, you know, Sky News talking about someone so getting transferred to this. I'm like, uh, and I don't say anything because I'm like, okay, whatever. But I actually get really irritated when, when phones are there on the table. So I actually thought about having a dinner party. And I think this might be an interesting, maybe this is something interesting to do if you host dinner parties. I don't host that many. Is host a dinner party and then just give like a little bowl where all the mobile phones go into at the beginning of the night. I think they call that a different type of party, Harry. No, no, right. That's, <laughs> that's keys. That's car keys. Um, I'm teething, but, I'm teething. but um but put the phones in and and you know obviously if they've got kids give them a number that they can call or whatever but see how uneasy people become but then after that let's see how that changes the conversation where you suddenly you can't look up things on google well, look, I'm, I'm gonna say to people i'll try and find the link that of, of, of the video i saw it's had a profound impact on me in terms of understanding how i'm showing up in the world and that's raised my awareness so yeah, yeah. Share i want to be better that's a good thing and um, there may be others listening to this that want to watch the video and feel the same. So I'll try and share the link. 
Um, is that a resolution? I don't know. It, 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 I think so. I think that's the character resolution. Coincide with the timing of a new year, right? Well, that's, that's the character resolution we were talking about. And this is what I would suggest to people to, to do for instead of New Year's resolutions of big goals, is things like you've just talked about, where you're thinking, okay, I want to be more present. So actually a small thing I can do is keep my phone in my bag when I'm having a conversation and a coffee with people. Right? And you know, it links to where happiness really comes from, which is, as you say, from the inside uh, yeah. But also from servicing and caring for others. And am I really being there for others if yeah, yeah. if they feel I'm distracted? Um, so, yeah, I thought a nice place to, uh, to yeah. come full circle. It's um, been a good yeah. chat. We've agreed on uh, quite a lot today, Harry, which is a nice uh, I think we agree on a lot. We, we agree shift on in the wind. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, but, yeah, share that share that video. I'll um, I'll try and send it to a couple of uh, choice, choice friends. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Sometimes uh, this is also a great example of where seeing something is different to hearing it. I know we're doing an audio podcast. Yeah. So we and do also, release this in video format as well. Hearing but it from someone else. You and I hearing talk a lot on this show, and sometimes it'll resonate with people. Sometimes it won't. But watching something, something have a different that, impact and seeing – If Simon Sinek was on audio, I don't know if it had the same impact it would have had on me if I hadn't uh, seen him do it. Well, something I've noticed – is because I listen back to our episodes just um, because often I hear something that I don't hear in the moment. And so I, I listen to every episode that we record. And I do, when I hear you talk about things the second time or in a different perspective, it resonates or I get it more than when I'm having that live conversation with people. So um, I think it's, yeah. And also just hearing from other people, like you say, you know, Simon Sinek says it and it's going to resonate more with you because Sometimes I say you can't be a prophet in your own land. And sometimes when you're so close to a person trying to give you advice or information, you don't want it. Um, but then you hear it, you know, and it has you have to be the right person at the right time to hear the right message from the right messenger. I think that's relevant between our conversations sometimes, right? Um, yeah. Sometimes we, we get a little bit argumentative because we're trying to, uh, I don't know, sometimes we're coming from different places. So you'll have a view and I it's not that I disagree. I'm trying to put it into the the minds of the masses that listen and it's yeah. trying to view things from different perspectives. And, you know, sometimes it comes across that way, but actually I think one thing we can say is we've got a huge amount of respect for each other. And that's why we do the show, right? We, yeah. our values are, are, we have different lives, different lifestyles, different family setups, but um, ultimately we're trying to help everyone to see that we need to connect with what's on the inside, not what's on the outside. And um yeah, hopefully there's some things in all of our shows which people can listen to and go, well, yeah, actually, I do that, or maybe I can change that. On and it's raising yeah. awareness. It's raising yeah, yeah. awareness. That's what it all is, right? Step number one, right? Awareness. And funny enough, it seems we have all the same books, so we're obviously something in line there, Harry. Well, there you go, there you go. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a few to get through, so I, I actually need to uh, get a bit more reading done. I've I've slacked off recently, but um, I do enjoy a good book. And like I said, uh, Power versus Force. Um, yeah, have you read that one yet? No, it's sure. next. I've just finished letting go for the second time. So I want to, again, but like you said, we listened to something more than once. The first time I really enjoyed it, I finished it going, I need to, and I don't think I've ever read a book twice because I think there's too many books in the world to read. But on this instance, I wanted it all to fully settle. I think you said you read it and didn't quite get the thing. Maybe yeah, that's maybe what, I need, maybe that's maybe what I need told to me it. to read it again. The second yeah. reading has been really, really powerful. Yeah. Okay. I might do yeah. that. I might do that um, as something. Yeah. Because often, like when you reread a book, it's not that you see something new in the book that you didn't see. It's, it's that you see something new in you. That you yeah. Didn't see. You know, yeah. so that might be why it feels different. Um, all right, I think you've got to go and do some. Um, I do. I've got parental responsibilities and piano yeah. lessons to attend to. So, um, look, happy New well, Year, so. sir. I know this is going out in the New Year. I know it's not even Christmas now, so I'll, I, I think it's still okay to say Merry Christmas as well. But more importantly, Happy New Year, Happy 2024. Looking forward to the next show, which will be in the New Year. So, if there is a gap between episodes, 
it'll be because we're out celebrating uh, and Christmas with our families. But we'll off. try and keep it consistent as, as much as we have done. And um, yeah. yeah, let's uh, let's keep going. All right. Nice one. Well, have a good start to your new year, everybody listening in and have a Merry Christmas, Nick, who is uh, going to have Christmas next week with everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Happy New Year to all our listeners as well. Thanks for staying with us. Do subscribe, keep sharing the show and we'll look forward to being next episode real soon. Cheers, guys. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Mindful Past podcast with Nick Day and Harry Kalimnios. We hope you found our discussions insightful and hopefully you've gained some valuable takeaways to support you on your own journey. Please leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform and share an episode that resonates with you with a friend or family member who may also find it valuable. Please also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to ensure you never miss a future episode. And in the meantime, we'll continue exploring mindful path topics to provide you with more insights and more ideas to support you on your personal growth journey. Thank you for your support and look out for the next episode of the Mindful Paths podcast dropping soon.